the NBA playoffs will begin on Saturday. I have divided the eight matchups into two categories. One is likely to witness the surprises of the lower-ranking teams during the regular season upset the higher-ranking opponents. The other is, well, unlikely to see that. Welcome back to CGTN Sports Talk. I am your host Li Xiang. The eight matchups in the first round will be in the Eastern Conference: Milwaukee Bucks against Miami Heat, Boston Celtics against Atlanta Hawks, Philadelphia 76ers against the Brooklyn Nets, and Cleveland Cavaliers against New York Knicks. In the Western Conference: Denver Nuggets against Minnesota Timberwolves. Memphis Grizzlies against Los Angeles Lakers, Sacramento Kings against Golden State Warriors, Phoenix Suns against Los Angeles Clippers. Let's begin with the less likely surprising category, in which I put five matchups. The Bucks shouldn't go through much hardship sending the Heat home. The last time the two teams met in the postseason, the Bucks swept the Heat. Back then, the Heat still had some wingmen in regular sizes. Like Andre Iguodala, Bielitsa, and Trevor Ariza, but they still couldn't secure even one win. The Heat still has one of the best zone defenses in the NBA. Max Strauss, Gabe Vincent, Calvin Martin are all hardworking defenders, but they're too small to slow Giannis Antetokounmpo down before others can join to trap him. The Heat will have to put at least two of Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo on Giannis to stop him. But then, who will they have to guard Drew Holiday, Brook Lopez, and Chris Middleton? My prediction for this series is that the Bucks will sweep the Heat. The second matchup of this category is the series between the Celtics and the Hawks. The Hawks deserve some credit for beating the Heat to enter the playoffs as the seventh seed, but they have two obvious flaws to which. The Celtics have top options. The Hawks rely on their backcourt pair Trey Young and Dejounte Murray to launch offense, especially via screen plays. That means they don't like teams that can switch everything defensively. The Celtics, well, are one of the best teams in today's NBA to do that. The arrival of Murray didn't turn the Hawks into a reliable defensive team, partly because Tr- Young is such a defensive liability. Usually, they would try to hide Young with the opponent's least threatening player. But the Celtics are able to send a squad of Derek White, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Al Horford to the court, so everyone can work on Young. By the way, this is also a five-out lineup to make the Hawks very uncomfortable with their defensive style of center dropping down. My prediction for this series is that the Celtics will sweep the Hawks. There is unlikely any drama between the 76ers and the Nets either. The Nets managed to secure an automatic playoff qualification after sending Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving away, partly thanks to their remarkable depth in the forward position. They have Royce O'Neal, Mikhail Bridges, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Cameron Johnson in regular rotations, and Utah Watanabe waiting to be called. These guys are able to keep today's James Harden from producing offensive dominance. If they focus on trapping Joel Embiid, he won't score as easily as he did in the regular season. But what can the Nets do when both Harden and Embiid are on the court? The Nets don't have enough defensive resources to contain the pair at the same time. They will have to pick their poison between watching Harden get every 76er involved and to heat up on offense. Or sending everyone to Embiid for him to eat them alive. My prediction for this series is that the 76ers will sweep the Nets. The matchup between the Nuggets and the 
Timberwolves may not be as one-sided as the above three ones, but it's hard to imagine that the Timberwolves can hold the Nuggets to Game Six. Coach Chris Finch will have to scratch his brain to decide when or if he should send the twin towers of Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns to the court. If Gobert is there, with or without Towns, Nikola Jokic will feel much more comfortable on the defensive end because Gobert is only used for for offense when he receives the ball next to the hoop. But when he and Jokic are both in the paint, it gets very crowded and difficult for the Timberwolves perimeter players to feed Gobert the ball. Also, unlike the Thunder that lost to Timberwolves on Friday, the Nuggets have Aaron Gordon to guard Towns without the need to ask his teammates for help. Jokic is difficult for both Gobert and Towns to deal with defensively. But when Towns is the Timberwolves' only big man on the court, his shooting range and the ability to attack off the dribble will cause more trouble for Jokic. The Timberwolves won't have much chance to win if they try to contain the Nuggets. Betting on the offensive explosiveness of Towns and Anthony Edwards may be a more reliable tactic to make the series more interesting. My prediction for this series is that the Nuggets will beat the Timberwolves with a gentleman's sweep. The matchup between the Suns and the Clippers should have been more unpredictable if Paul George could play, but that didn't happen. That leaves Coach Tyloo a question: Who should Kawhi Leonard guard? If Leonard guards Devin Booker, he will have a lot of screens to beat and spend a big part of his strength going after Booker, who has already grown into an excellent off-ball attacker. If Leonard is sent to mark Kevin Durant, it won't be any easier than guarding Booker. George's absence cost the Clippers not only on defense but on offense as well, which means the Clippers will count on Leonard even more. Which means they can't afford to break him down with defensive lows. However, none of the rest of the Clippers is trustworthy in guarding Booker or Durant. Of course, the Suns will have difficulties guarding Leonard as well. Neither will they want to have Durant, who is their best defensive option for Leonard, on him from the beginning of this series. But the Suns can afford to allow Leonard make his regular offensive production at a relatively low field goal rate because they know that Booker and Durant can combine to outscore him by a lot. My prediction for this series is that the Suns beat the Clippers in five games, six. If George comes back in a surprisingly good form, okay. Next, let's look into the more likely surprising category. The first matchup is between the Cavaliers and the Knicks. The Knicks haven't confirmed if Julius Randle will appear from the beginning of the series, but he has a better chance to return from injury than George. The Cavaliers have a question mark in Isaac Okoro as well, and he should be their best defender on Jalen Brunson. Neither side has been known for their scoring abilities, and their offense can both go worse against each other. On the Cavaliers' side, neither Evan Mobley nor Jared Allen shoots threes. When they have to challenge the no-fly zone set up by Mitchell Robinson, they also don't leave much space for Donovan Mitchell or Darius Garland to charge the rim. And don't forget, Okoro is not a trustworthy three-point shooter either. Of course. The Cavaliers won't make the game easy for the Knicks either. Both Mobley and Allen, even Lamar Stevens and Dean Wade, can guard Randall, 
Randall is the Knicks' best three-point shooter this season, but he is not consistent on that front. The Cavaliers' backcourt pair, Mitchell and Garland, are both defensive weaklings, especially in front of Brunson. But Mitchell's playoff resume tells you how explosive he can be when he heats up. The Knicks have no one to slow him down when he is in the zone. Generally, the Cavaliers have a better starting lineup than the Knicks, but the Knicks have a better chance to turn things into their favor in the bench units competitions. Emmanuel Quickly and Quentin Grimes are both dangerous bench scorers. Josh Hart, Isaiah Hartenstein, and Obi Toppin are all energetic offensive rebounders. By contrast, when Allen has to take a breath, the Cavaliers are one of the worst rebounding teams in the NBA, especially on the defensive end. My prediction for this series is that the Cavaliers win in seven games. The next interesting matchup will be between the Grizzlies and the Lakers. Since Stephen Adams is likely out for the playoffs, the Grizzlies lost their best offensive rebounder and the best screener for John Morant. The key to this series may be on the big man aces of the two sides, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Anthony Davis. Both play as their team's defensive spine. Davis carries a bigger offensive duty and has more complete skills. Jay Kubik can already match Davis on defense as long as he stays out of foul trouble. He doesn't shoulder as much as Davis does on the offensive end, but Jackson has simpler tasks on this front. The Lakers don't need to have Davis guard Jackson from the beginning because they can try Jared Vanderbilt first. That can set Davis free to focus on help defense, if Morant especially. But if Jackson breaks Vanderbilt and forces the Lakers to put Davis on him, their protection of the paint will look more vulnerable in front of Morant. The same can be said about Jackson and the Grizzlies. If Davis continues to cause damage to the Grizzlies' defense, Jackson Jr. will have to take over to guard him and cannot do the more important job of scanning the floor and appearing everywhere on the defensive end. It can go even worse if Jackson Jr. commits too many fouls on Davis and then has to sit on the bench to watch Davis dominate the game. The Lakers don't have good enough defensive resources in the backcourt to guard Morant. The biggest task is to keep him from. Speeding up at the three-point line and not letting him go to his sweet spots for either jumpers or floaters below the free throw line. If the game turns white hot in clutch time, it should be interesting to see if LeBron James will take over Morant. Despite his age and the so-called not defending attitude, LeBron is still an underestimated defender, especially in containing guards without a good shooting range. My prediction for this series is that the Lakers win in six games. The final matchup, which should be the most unpredictable one, is between the Kings and the Warriors. It must be noticed that though the Kings have missed the playoffs for 16 years, they are definitely not an easy opponent to play. Their offensive system, run by Demantis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox, are similar to the one of the Warriors. Not to mention that Sabonis is a much bigger offensive threat than Draymond Green. Fox has also grown into one of the best clutch time scorers in the NBA this season. Neither side is likely to contain each other completely. The Kings' best defensive option for Stephen Curry is to double team him and then pray that Klay Thompson, Jordan Poole, or Andrew Wiggins don't shoot kill on that night. 
But the Warriors should keep in mind that the Kings lead the league in both average points and offensive rating. Sabonis is also one of the league's few players who can make Draymond Green sweat in the mind games between offense and defense. Fox may not be as terrifying as Curry on the offensive end, but he can drive the Warriors crazy too. Thompson is too slow to follow him. Wiggins, if he returns, say in a good form, is not good at containing fast guards like Fox. When Fox keeps targeting Kevon Looney and draws more defensive attention, the Kings' advantage in having more ball handlers will grow more obvious. The competition between the bench units will be eye-catching as well. Malik Monk is already one of the most explosive bench scorers in today's league. He will be a big problem to the Warriors if Gary Payton II or Dante Divincenzo cannot stop him. The same is with Poole and Davion Mitchell. The last time the two teams met, Mitchell made Poole look pretty bad despite the win of the Warriors. My prediction for this series is that the Warriors will win in six games. I think that's all for today. Thank you for listening. Hopefully, I'll be talking to you guys very soon next week. See ya.